Well, welcome to the first ever podcast episode of A Drink with Walt. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and the victim, my victim, my guest, is none other than Hamish de Bretton Gordon. Or do we still call ourselves Colonel Hamish de Bretton Gordon? Probably. Whatever. Whatever. Whoever's paying the bills. Whatever's paying the bills. Okay. Okay, <laughs> Colonel. And we are sitting outside the Royal Oak here in deepest, darkest, no, not darkest, lightest Wiltshire. It's a lovely evening and we've got people playing petonk just behind over Hamish's shoulder. And this is the pub which is part owned by James May. Um, and as a result, you get a lot of petrol heads turning up here who all say, has James been in? And I, I was speaking to someone the other day and he was telling me that um, he used to work for a celeb owned pub and he, they were always trained to say, you know, is the owner in, whichever celeb it was, and they're always trained to say, oh, you've just missed him, or oh, he, was, he was in this morning. But so far, I haven't spotted James May. So actually, Hamish, you are the most famous person here. <laughs> so it's fine. Anyway, a lot of you all recognise Hamish from, from telly, and after he's doing this podcast, he's then going to be going on to Channel 4 News this evening to talk about chemical weapons and potential use of them in Ukraine. Mm. Um, before we get on to that, we, could you just tell us why you are qualified to talk about chemical weapons? Well, I, I like the James May story because when I spoke here to a club the other day, I, I left a copy of my book for the great man um, and I noticed he hasn't tweeted it yet. So I, <laughs> I, no. need, to, <laughs> I need to check that he's actually read it. But um, yeah, my background, I, I spent 23 years as a soldier in the British Army and commanded our chemical, biological, radiological and nuclear defence forces and then went on after I left the military to get involved in Syria and set up something called the CBRN, Chemical, Biological, Radiological and Nuclear um, Task Force in Syria, which really, when all the attacks started happening, it was training civilians how to survive chemical attacks and also collecting evidence. Um, and we're replicating the same piece in Ukraine at the moment. So my background, although I'm also, bizarrely, a great amusement to anybody who knows me, a fellow at Magdalen College, Cambridge, which for somebody who has virtually no academic qualifications, that makes me laugh every time I say it. So can I call you professor as well? <laughs> no, not yet, not yet. So, so you are a visiting fellow and you are, and then, and then also do you have other day jobs as well? You also do sort of... Yeah, no, I do. I advise a number of organisations and people and uh, I, I'm still a reserve officer in a strange organisation called the Staff Corps, which is part of 77 Brigade and is just a group of experts and it's experts which the military doesn't necessarily or naturally have and we're there to you know answer questions and stuff so uh, ever since chemical weapons became a feature after Syria um, the MOD perhaps realized that maybe maybe they could do with my advice I left uh, I left the military when my a confidential report said I was a, ma a brilliant commander, but a maverick, and I realised. Oh, a maverick! I realised that was the death of me in the military. But actually, perhaps now I should have <laughs> hung around. I might have been more popular. How many years did you do in the end? Uh, Twenty-three. And so, yeah. Actually, you mentioned your book, the James. Actually, I've even brought a copy of your book here this evening, just in case I'd, I'd forgotten to ask you to sign it. But you already have signed this one. You already have signed this one. Find uh, one wait. that isn't signed. I, I, well, yeah. it, exactly. Well, they make sure they get sold, or they can't be. Um, but yeah, Hamish's book, which I'll obviously plug again at the end, but it's called Chemical Warrior, and and it's a and it's a really good read, a really good read. But I and, oh, look, it started raining. Well, we'll be all right. I think we're yeah. all right. Does it look okay? It's the yeah. summer. Yeah, what are you spring. drinking? You've got Peroni. You. you I'm, a, I'm a disco juice disco person. Juice I'm afraid it's. Uh, it's pathetic, yeah, much to the chagrin of my son and everybody else I, who likes the proper Wiltshire I'm having a proper Guy Ritchie brewed ale, which is uh, made just about five miles over the hill from where we're sitting. Ah. And, uh, you, do you ever drink it? 
I don't. I don't. Well, I um, I'm a bit of an Eddie Large fan. So Keystone Brewery. Eddie and I were in okay. the army together. So he's just you know a few miles down the road in Tisbury. Oh, okay. So um, yeah. So I'm I, when I drink proper beer, I tend then, to then drink, drink Keystone. This. Okay, so that's what otherwise it's a disco juice. I'm afraid. So um. Okay, from one chemical to another. That was a pathetic link. So, um, <laughs> so today, obviously, at the time of recording, what date are we in? And we're now sort of, uh, gosh, what, what day are we in? We're in 11th. 11th of April, right? And, and 11th of April, at the time of recording, um, there have been rumours, rumours, that um, the Russians have been using chemical weapons in Mariupol and there were soldiers reporting they were, they were dizzy or something like that, weren't they? And what, I- what, is, what, is, what is your sort of initial assessment of that? Well, I, I've looked at it pretty closely and uh, we're trying to collect the evidence at the moment because without hard and fast evidence, it's very difficult to really make, make any <coughs> demonstrative decisions because NATO, um, Biden, Johnson and others have said that they will take action if the Russians use chemical weapons. And it's very much in their playbook. They seem to be replicating what they saw in Syria, attacking hospitals, attacking schools, attacking civilians because they are you know the strength of ukraine is its population yeah. and if the population fall then ukraine falls um and putin seems to have no morals or scruples about collateral damage or civilian casualties so what happened in syria is when the russians and the syrians got bogged down in places like aleppo and ghouta and duma um, they then use chemical weapons because they are, they are morbidly brilliant weapons and very effective in fighting in towns and cities. Morbidly brilliant, there's an expression. I, uh, mean, that, I mean, that's literally what it means on the tin, isn't it? They are very good at killing people. Entirely, and, and they tend to kill civilians because civilians don't have gas masks and civilians hide underground when there's a bombardment and that's where the gas goes. So with Mariupol, where the Russians have been fighting for you know, five or six weeks now, and they haven't been able to crack this nut. They thought they would have cracked Ukraine completely by now. So our big concern was they might well think, right, we want this over quick. We want this over by the 9th of May, which apparently is what Putin is looking at. That's victory day in in Russia, isn't it? Absolutely. Then they need to do something which is not conventional. So when we heard overnight, um, and yesterday... The, uh, the UK Ministry of Defence, who put out an in- intel brief every morning, which is usually pretty accurate. Yesterday, well, that's on Twitter, isn't it? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah you can uh, people yeah. can subscribe to that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's 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 very good. And yesterday, they said they thought the Russians might use white phosphorus, which is actually an incendiary weapon, um, but but is you know on the periphery of being a chemical weapon. So then, is it, it classed as a chemical weapon under whatever convention we need to look at? It's not, not under the Chemical Weapons Convention. And they're in the challenge that um, actually, as a military, you can use it for illumination at night or smoke screens during the day perfectly legally. But if you use it to burn people's houses down and burn people, you know, it's, it's illegal under the Geneva Convention. And it's not part of the Chemical Weapons Convention. So there's a bit of a grey area right. there. But it, everything is aligned for the Russians to use chemical weapons in Mariupol. But then when we heard, but then it's the Azov Brigade who are, who are the defending Ukrainian battalion who are not necessarily always the most accurate. Right. They're, the, they're the ones on the receiving end. So one has to take a little bit with a pinch of salt what they're saying. I am currently advising the Ukraine government as what their sort of chemical weapons advisor 
uh, and information coming out of them is uh, it, they're still quite sketchy because they can't get it out. So what is happening at the moment, we're trying to get the evidence out, get it analysed so we can work out exactly if it was a chemical attack or probably most likely, I think in my eyes, is, is probably some toxic release. There's a massive steelworks in Mariupol where the fighting's going on. There's tons of chlorine and ammonia and nasties like that around. If that had gone up, that could have created the casualties. Right, so if, you're, if you are living, fighting, breathing in bombed-out factories, you, you, you're going to be breathing in some pretty nasty things anyway, which may make you a bit dizzy. So Absolutely. I know that you probably can't tell me too much, but I certainly, in your book, you certainly spoke about getting samples from war zones, certainly from Syria, you did that. Can you, can you, can you, can you, can you remind me a bit about, about that when you... Uh, I mean, you sort of basically went in undercover, didn't you? Well... One of, the, one of the, cha- the the chemical weapons convention, which was signed by most of the world in 1996, and policed by the organisation of the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, is brilliant in concept. Um, where it slightly falls down is the idea is that if you have a chemical attack in your soil, like we did in Salisbury, I was going to talk to you about that a bit. Four yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. the British government then says, organisation Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, come in, investigate, produce the evidence. And that's all very well and good. But what we found in Syria, of course, is that all the chemical attacks were happening in the rebel-held areas, which were completely unsafe for anybody. So nobody could go in there and collect the evidence. So myself and a few others decided we'd try and get around this by collecting it ourselves and organising it. But it has to be done. Evidence has to be absolutely by the rule book, even in a war zone. So um, what we set up a whole system across the country where people were trained and very, very, um, to a very high degree to collect this evidence under rules that the International Criminal Court and when you, Sorry, just to, just, to, just to spool back, when you say we, that's you operating sort of quasi-autonomously? Yeah, no, very much so. I'm actually working for an NGO mainly called... OSM, which is the Union of Syrian Medical Charities. So all the hospitals in Idlib, which is the area that's still under um, rebel control, are run by OSM, which is funded by you know, the British government, the American government and others. Um, but we then also dealt with all the chemical issues. And I, by dint of the fact that I went into Syria a few times in the media, I then became their expert and then develop their plans. So nothing more sinister than that. Right, OK. And so and so, what can you tell me about what structures are in place now with Ukraine regarding the chemical thing? Well, it, it's, um, it's surprisingly little. Now, of course, during Soviet times, Ukraine had fantastic chemical defence and, and actually was a nuclear power itself. Yeah. And in 1996, the agreement between the UK, the US and, and Russia... Uh, to take the nuclear weapons off Ukraine, we all three guaranteed their security. So one of the things that is really hacking the rest of the world off is that Russia is, has invaded Ukraine. In 1996, it signed a you know a, a binding agreement not to do that. Um, but since since then, their capabilities have waned. You know, some of the soldiers have a few gas masks. There is no sort of um, early warning system for chemical attack. There's a bit of an early warning system for air attack. And actually, I'm working with a number of groups now to try and develop a system a little bit like we did in Syria, where we can warn of chemical 
attack and yep. we can also collect evidence so that um, you know, what one of the things we're trying to say to Putin and the Russians, if you use chemical weapons, we will get the evidence and at some stage you will answer for your crimes. So, wow, so that's, I mean, that's news to me and I think news to a lot of people. So you actually have, you're building systems in place that, that if there's a suspected use of chemical weapons somewhere in presumably eastern Ukraine or, or it could be anywhere, frankly, that you feel confident that you've got the ability, perhaps, hopefully, to get the evidence you need to prove that's taken place. Well, well that, that, that's our aim. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in the very early days. The first thing we've done, actually, is, is I've published a chapter in the book towards the end there called How Do You Survive a Chemical and Biological Attack? And when, when I was approached from the Ukraine government and others to help, I, th I thought, crikey, you know, what, what, do I, what do I do here? I haven't got time to... So, but uh, somebody reminded me actually. You've got a handy bit. Of, so, it was at the back, isn't it? So it's, there it's, is a there is a now published free online. Okay. Um, a chapter about how to survive chemical, and that's been translated into Ukrainian. That's all over Ukraine. Somebody even told me that Zelensky has it on his desk. So, um, so we've done that, uh, and that's really focused at civilians. What to do? Because in a chemical attack, it's counterintuitive to what you're doing a conventional attack. You don't dive underground, you get above ground, you, you run away from the problem rather than try and hide from it. So, Okay, well that's good to know, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> well there you go. So, I mean, so, chemicals are heavier than, than air, right? I mean, generally. Generally heavier generally. than air. Generally heavier than air. So that, that was to, to, to help the civilians, because we knew that a lot of people had been saved in Syria from doing that. It was then a question of, right, well, let's try and set up some evidential collection. And people are very keen on an early warning. So try and set up a system where we could detect any use and then people can react to it. And, you know, very simply at the moment, we've bought them some single gas detectors for detecting things like chlorine or ammonia. We're then looking at providing something a bit more sophisticated if if the, the Russians use actual chemical warfare agents. Um, but it's in the very early stages. And at the moment, it is just trying to educate people because until today almost or or maybe a few weeks ago when the Russians started talking about chemical attack, you know, it seemed the least of people's worries. They were they were just trying to survive in, in Kiev and, and other cities. Um, and then the chemical thing came along. You know, it's it's trying to, you know, you can't do everything. What can you what what can you do most effectively to to try and reduce the highest risks and it only now that chemical is getting into that area I, I i i said to my wife annabelle when i was coming to see you this evening i said any any questions you want to ask um hamish and she said well what 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 is the sort of extent of russian capability with chemicals i mean are, do they just have a lot of this stuff not at all no they they declared to the um united nations 2017 they had none at all um, <laughs> okay. Then, then, of course, a year later, we saw in Salisbury that actually they did have some Novichok, some nerve agents. So we think they have quite a sophisticated chemical weapons program. But, but Novichok is more of a sort of point assassination type weapon yep. rather than mass casualty. Um, but I, I think the biggest threat is probably from locally available toxic chemicals um, because it's deniable. So things like chlorine, ammonia and cyanide. Um, so... They have the knowledge. They really understand chemical weapons from right. their Soviet days and from Syria. And I think that's that's my one concern is that goes back to my morbidly brilliant weapons. You know, if you don't care who you hurt or kill, then you'd use these things all the time. And and when they go, I, I think that Putin thought he'd roll through yes. Ukraine pretty quickly. 
he hasn't. His his military has been proved to be very poor. I mean, I you know, being a tank commander, I see see how, what his tanks and his tank commanders like. They're they're dreadful. I mean, they are being. I think they've lost over four hundred tanks, yes. which is you know four yes. times more than we've got, sort of thing. And you know, that is a surprise how poor that they have been. So. Um, which then leads you, if they can't win conventionally, are they going to go unconventional? And everything is sort of telling us that they might do. And also, when you go back to Syria, of course, on the 21st of August 2013, where there was that massive chemical attack and uh, the British government voted not to do anything and the Americans followed the next right. day, that sort of gave free reign to every dictator, despot, rogue state and terrorist that they could use these things with impunity. And I think that's still in the back of Putin's mind. I, 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 he always surprises us. I mean, I, I, about three days before the invasion, I went to a dinner with the Ukrainian ambassador and various other people um, very nice chap he is too, and a very nice chap. And and I, but I didn't think I didn't I just didn't feel that, you know, it, it, it clearly not not one person there felt that this this the worst was going to happen. And, the, and 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 I think Putin keeps ratcheting up the worst. Yeah, and and and, and, <laughs> and I mean, no one would bet that he wouldn't use chemical weapons. Well, bizarrely, on the day before the invasion, I wrote a op-ed for the Guardian. Um, that's not your normal environment. It's not my normal environment. <laughs> um, which was published on the day of the invasion, saying we really need to look what's happened in Syria and not repeat it in Ukraine because X, Y, and Z will happen, and it did. And uh, you know, pe pe people were, you know, did I have any insider knowledge? Absolutely not. Um, you know, I'm not the greatest writer in the world, but on that particular occasion, it was absolutely spot on. So going back to your story, the ambassador, yeah, nobody. Nobody, I mean, the intelligence coming out of UK security service and the US was absolutely right. They were all going, he's about to invade. Yeah. And the rest of us were going, nah, it's bluff. It's bluff. Yeah, it's bluff. everyone thought it was bluff. Yeah, you can bring your blood blanks and your mobile crematorium yeah, units and it's exactly, still, yeah. looking like you're going to invade. Exactly. And, and, and that was it. And yeah, no, I mean, and, and I, I, I'm guilty as charged, frankly. I mean, you know, I, I, we I all are. Yeah. So, I mean, I, mean, I suppose I, this is another sort of slightly obvious question is you have the. Your old regiment is called CBRN, and we always talk about chemical weapons and we talk about nerve agents, but we never talk about the nuclear bit or the biological bit particularly. And and what do you think of the chart? Biological weapons? I mean, is there any point in Putin using those? Well, it's a really tricky one. I mean, I'd completely discounted biological weapons, and I dealt with an Al-Qaeda potential biological attack in Iraq back in 2005, which described in the book and also dealt with ISIS trying to introduce plague to refugee camps in Syria. So, so I sort of had, but, but they had, they, those attacks were not effective. They didn't work. And I think people like me had assumed you'd use a really deadly pathogen like anthrax or plague to yeah. have an impact. But then roll forward to the last two years with COVID, and yeah, no suggestion at all that was a biological weapon, but the fact that a not very deadly pathogen has brought the world to its knees for two and a half years... Yeah. You know, to me, and as an intelligence type person, you're always looking, you know, you want to get inside your enemy. You know, if I was a terrorist, I'd be looking at COVID thinking, yeah, if I could claim COVID as a terror event, it would be the biggest terror event yep. in the history of the world. Millions of deaths, trillions of dollars. Absolutely. And yep. people terrified. terrified yep. and, and the other thing with the, the growth in synthetic biology where you can manipulate the genome and 
you know, I always say to people, you know, have you seen the latest Bond film? Well, for the first time, the scenario in the Bond film is realistic, where he basically, where, where the, the, the bad guys are manipulating the smallpox virus to make it uh, basically ineffective from the vaccine and to attack certain people. You know, that, that is reality. I mean, that, that yep. can be done. And um, there was a, an outbreak of um, Lassa fever in Suffolk a few months ago. You yes, might remember. yes, yes, yes. Lassa fever is 80% mortality rate. Now, one of my fellow, uh, another fellow at Magdalen College, um, who I chatted to, was the senior doctor dealing with that. And we were, we were discussing, right, well, what if Lassa fever was spliced with COVID? You have an 80% mortality rate, but with a uh, great thing about Lassa fever, it's not very transmissible. Right. So all these things are an issue. It goes back to your point about bio. I think with, with bio, why it's not been popular, that's a terrible word. No, no, I get it. it. Takes, it's, 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 it's a bit of a hassle. <laughs> it takes a long time to have effect. Right, you know, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we get infected with COVID, we're ill four or five days later. You know, if you want a big event, that's you, yeah, you want it's, a big it's, bag. It's not, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's not sexy in the way that a chemical weapon is in terms yeah. of if you really want to have massive impact and a terrorist sort of. Yeah. So I think um, although the Russians are talking about all these false flags and biolabs, yeah. I, I think it's 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 an irrelevance. And one would hope that I mean, the, the good thing about bio, if you know what you're up against, you know, most diseases, most pathogens have very effective um, chemical uh, medical countermeasures. Right, okay. So I would park bio and your question about nuclear, nuclear yeah. well, um, it's, I mean, Putin's threatened it. I mean, I think he's bluffing and he must be bluffing. He's, some people think he might use a tactical, a battlefield nuclear weapon. Yes, I mean, I... I but a battlefield nuclear weapon is still a massive bang. Right. I mean, if you think the smallest one the Russians have is probably three megatons, which is 3,000 tons of conventional explosive. And if people remember the Beirut explosion last two yes. years yeah, yeah, ago, yeah, 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 yeah. that was that was 200 and that was 2,700 tons. So just under and that destroyed half of Beirut. So it's still a massive explosion. And actually, and then it's and you've then got, you've got the radiation the and the yeah, fallout. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that any sort of nuclear weapon would trigger NATO to act decisively. We'd have to. We'd have perhaps to. We'd have to. it wouldn't be the case with a chemical or chemical biological weapon. You mentioned Salisbury earlier, and of course we're only about 10 miles from Salisbury, so we, we both sort of slightly regard it as our... as our, as was my sort of adopted hometown. You weren't brought yeah. up. Were you brought up here? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Shaftesbury. So. Shaftesbury. Oh, well, that's near enough. Yeah. It's a different end of the drove. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. So, um, so you, you, were you, where were you? And you were abroad when that happened, weren't mm. you? I think. So, what were you? I mean, I, I just quickly. I remember being phoned up by a friend who's an anaesthetist at Salisbury Hospital, and and he said to me, um, something very strange is happening. And he said, um, you know, and he said, um, this is it's been, I've been I've been told it's a drug overdose, but it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, yeah. and, 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 and what's very frustrating from a journalistic point of view is that my friend said, I'll tell you all about it one day. <laughs> uh, uh, but, 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 but suffice to say, he, he is um, now very good at knowing how to treat people who've had experienced with nerve agents. So he's sort of asked now to go and talk to 
you talk, it went straight to the German embassy the other day about Navalny and people like that. And so, yeah, it's yeah. so, 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 you know, so he knows sort of what he's talking about now. And that, so I was here and it felt very real. And I sort of regret, I wish I'd written a book about the whole thing being here on the, you know, yeah, right at yeah. the time. And, and, and there were rumors that the people in our village, some, some Russians had just rented a house in our village and mysteriously disappeared. And it's, wow. you know, like, like any, but it was total crap. But it, but it, all these things were sort of, um, it makes you realize how muddy things get very, very mm. quickly. But you were abroad at the time, weren't you? I can't remember. There's, yeah, there's, no, there's I in the book, w- yeah. yeah, when you phone up Mrs. Debrett and Gordon and say, I don't know, lock up, lock up. The well, dogs. It was, no, it was yeah, it was sort of that. I was, I was giving a talk about chemical weapons in Abu Dhabi, and um, I got a phone call from various people, and and from the media as well, going, you know, this has happened, and uh, yeah, it was startling. You know, a chemical warfare agent attack in your hometown just inconceivable and and it became very clear quite quickly a bit like your friend who who was uh, in Salisbury hospital i think those of us in the know then suddenly realized that this you know w- what it was and and when mrs may said in parliament about 3 days later this was a um, i think she said a military grade nerve agent that we hadn't seen before all of us in the know suddenly went it's Novichok, you know. Oh, you went Novichok straight away? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, because everything else had been discounted. Right, OK, so When, when she with? said it's a, a military-grade nerve agent that we haven't seen before, then that, that sort of highlighted it. And, uh, and, and, you know, Salisbury has been quite a um, hotbed for sort of, you know, double agents to come and uh, settle down. Uh, there was on the... We were talking about biological side. Well, the Russians' leading biological agent, a chap called... Um, Vladimir Pushnik settled in Salisbury in the late 80s. Okay. He was um, he was part of a, a prisoner swap as well. And actually, he worked in uh, health protection in England for a long time and maybe Porton Down as well, and then set up his own business. But he was the grandfather of the Russian biological weapons program. Why all these people suddenly decided to, or not suddenly, why they all decided to... You know, end up in Salisbury. End up in Salisbury. I'll tell you why. It's I think it's, it's got it's, a lovely, chair, lovely I, I, cathedral. I also, it's lovely cathedral, <laughs> but also property is rel- relatively cheap in Salisbury itself. So I think the security service is probably only for the budget. To, I mean, having, <laughs> having been to the close where Skripal lived, you know, I mean, it was, you know, it's, it's, uh, no, it was a nice house, but it was, uh, it was. I, I, presumably, the government has a budget. <laughs> it says, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe oh, you can spend a couple of million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's, it's uh, but Salisbury is, uh, you know, it's, it's the perfect place to hide in some ways. Isn't it? It's sort of near after London, and so I gather Skripal was always debriefed in coat. <laughs> it was just in Salisbury. It was the well, um, yeah. Well, well, I understand one of his favourite pubs is the Beckford Arms, which is about three miles that way. Yes, and and in fact, at the time, there were lots of journalists who were courting me, and I, you know, when they said, "Do you want to go to supper somewhere? Go to my local, go to the Beckford." And, and they would say, and, and I said, God, you should have, um, you know, if you were here a few weeks ago, you would have seen Scruffle. He's here all the time. I'm not sure the Beckford realised that. I did, that Beckford, I, the, the, I, I did, I did see Guy Ritchie and Madonna in the Beckford, so it's all here. We have Russian agents, we have proper superstars. In fact, in the pub in Ebsbourne, about five miles up there, the, the Johnny Depp was there for the weekend. And, uh, oh, wow. and yeah, and only Johnny Depp managed to get a table on Sunday. Not many people <laughs> yeah, can. Well, exactly. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Uh, I, yeah, I can't get a table in the back for no, no, exactly, so. no, none of these pubs around here. But I and so, but then I mean, so the, the Salisbury thing is, I mean, I I remember feeling, I mean, and actually sort of genuinely very angry because my daughter was then at school in at school in Salisbury and just thinking, right. you know, she could have been like. 
you know, Dawn Sturgis or whatever, picking up a, yeah. a, a you know, finding some perfume on the ground or whatever it is, you know. And it was, I, I just remember, and that really brought it home that this was actually, and, 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 and feeling actually genuinely really angry about it. It's not like being mm. stabbed yeah. in your leg by a poison umbrella on Waterloo Bridge, yeah. you know, it's, which is only going to go somewhere. Exactly. If this is this just being chucked around, you know, I know it's a city, but effectively a market town in, in Middle England. But I, I think that really goes back to the whole, you know, Russian thing about collateral damage. Genuinely you know, that, not they, giving a shit. Ex- entirely. Mm. Uh, and of course, it's the Dawes Sturgis um, uh, Board of Inquiry at the moment. I think yes. it's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one has to be very careful what one says about that. But you're right. I mean, you know, those people outside the police who became ill were just, you know, absolutely. The Russians couldn't, you know, yeah, Putin just couldn't. Come. Just oh, couldn't come. And it, it could have been so much worse, although we're only talking about a quarter of an egg cup of this stuff. When one molecule is enough to kill you, there are gazillions of molecules in a quarter of an egg cup. So it's all about, you know, dispersing this stuff. Had you wanted to disperse it, then you could have killed thousands of people. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's terrifying, terrifying. Well, look, Hamish, I'm very, very grateful um, for you joining me for a drink. I, I, and thank right. you for coming. I know you've got to do Channel 4 News, but, I mean, do you have time for another pint? I probably don't, actually. You probably I, don't. I, I, well, that's very kind. Well, I won't rush off. I, but I, 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 I just sort of, probably unlike you, uh, you know, I, I, uh, you better be. I like to, to make sure that I'm still... <laughs> um, Matt Fry, who's an oh, old friend. Oh, Matt Fry, is it? Who, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, who, who is in Kiev at the moment. Um, He's he's far too sharp for yeah, me yeah, to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a two pint. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I would be doing off. two pints if I was. I tell you what, I've just turned down this evening. I just turned down doing uh, GB News with Nigel Farage. So- <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to talk about. Um, he wanted to talk about. Uh, uh, should prime ministers resign and historical precedents for them resigning? And I just thought, actually, you know what? I just, I just didn't really fancy it for some reason. Yeah, well, I I'd, ra- I'd rather have a pint with you. Absolutely. Well, likewise. Yeah. I, yes, he he had asked me to talk about the Ukraine, and uh, and I, I said I'd I, I'd prefer to have a pint. But I was supposed oh, to be doing Channel Four in a pre-record, but then. The Boris scandal. Oh, uh, I see. So, right. so they then pushed it back to seven thirty. Yeah. So well, I, well, I'm very grateful you made it. So many no, thanks great. indeed. Thanks very much Cheers. for the beer. Yeah, clink. <laughs> <laughs>